Hi there. Welcome to Cream and Sugar. Hey, Allie. Hey, Julia. Why didn't the cupcake talk to the croissant? Why? Because he had muffin to say. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you want to have to do with icing? Nope. (laughs) It's naked. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And there's the intro music. Oh, God. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> Probably. Anyways, uh, since we're uh, talking about all this bread, maybe I should tell you what we're actually talking about. <laughs> um, so... This episode is a very excitedly to announce another episode of coffee from around the world, except we didn't really focus on the coffee part. (laughs) So today we are going to be visiting France in our minds. Mm -hmm. So uh, Allie and I spent, I I guess, I don't know how long has it been, the past 12 13, 14, 15, 16 hours getting ready for this episode. Yep. Because starting at around 7 o'clock last night, uh, we started making croissant dough. Yeah. It was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> but it was worth it. We'll get into that later. But uh, before we get started too much on this episode, how you brewing? I am brewing so good. We yeah? have made it into 2022. Woo! Yay! Um, this will technically be our third episode that airs in 2022, but now we are recording in 2022, so Ayo. we can talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have good news and I have bad news. Um, okay. The bad news is I have learned that caffeine makes me extremely anxious and unhappy. So no, caffeine is life. 2022 is going to be the caffeine-free life as much as possible. I'm very proud of you. And Thank you. If you need me to drink caffeine for you, I will. <laughs> okay, I I'll might. do that for you. I, uh, my poor coworkers had to deal with that first day of no caffeine, cold turkey, and... Oh. Um, a little angry you are much stronger than i am because not only would i have a headache i don't think i'd be able to focus at all i thought i had a cold for a little bit and then i was like wait a second i just got six hours of sleep and now i'm not drinking caffeine so (laughs) but the good news is christmas was really good yeah and then our friend's wedding was so good and we got to hang out with everybody oh it was such a blast it was like going to our high school dances again where we're all just screaming panic at the disco in very nice dresses. Except now we have people from Virginia and New Jersey and Michigan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, wait. Michigan and alcohol. And alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody, almost everybody came over for New Year's and we just hung out and played games and it was real nice and chill. It was so nice and uh, less alcohol because I was <laughs> way done. Ginger beer for the win. Ginger beer mocktails. Yeah. Dude, those were actually really good, though. Mm-hmm. I saw the can of ginger beer left in my fridge. I am definitely going to be drinking it today. Yeah. Yeah. I would be happy to post that recipe for you. It's a, uh, what what was it called? It was a, uh, it was a something Shirley Temple. 
I think I got it though because it was basically ginger beer, Sprite, and grenadine is what I was mixing because I didn't do the lime juice. Yes, that that is almost exactly what it was. Yeah, it was called. I don't know. <laughs> All I have <laughs> is the ingredients. We'll we'll call it a uh, Shirley Temple Moscow Mule. That's we'll not either it, of those. We'll call it a Shirley Templar. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna call it Shirley Templar, or it's a it's a Shirley Temple, but spelled S U R E L Y. Like Shirley, it's Temple. Yep, that's it. Yep. <laughs> so all it is is lemon lime ginger beer, or if you're like us, you got ginger beer and added Sprite. Mm-hmm. Club soda, if you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, lime juice and grenadine. Yep, and that's it. Yep. Very easy. Happy to post that recipe later. It was very good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that sums up how I'm brewing. How you brewing? I'm brewing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, my Christmas was pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, we drove ten and a half hours down to New Orleans. Oof. And then we partied it up in Bourbon Street with my brother. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we had a lot of fun on Bourbon Street, and then after that, we drove an hour and a half down the bayou to visit my family for Christmas, and that was Mike's first time meeting most of my family, mm-hmm. like almost all of them. I think he only didn't get to meet one person. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he got to meet the whole Cajun clan. How'd that go? Uh, actually, he loved it. He loved all of it. We told him, when you go down there... You cannot play Pedro with my nanny, which is Cajun <laughs> for godmother, uh-huh. or my poppy, which is my grandfather, because they will both kick your butts and make you cry. So mm. what did he do as soon as we got down there? He's, <laughs> nanny says, yeah, do you know how to play Pedro? He goes, yeah, you want to play? I was like, no. <laughs> this is what we told you not to do. And we won. So it's fine. Nice. Or... No, I take that back. We got our butts severely handed to us. But we had a lot <laughs> of fun. <laughs> so anyways, we had a really good Christmas, and then we drove back 13 hours. Mm. Yeah. Because A, traffic, and B, it's now New Orleans plus the hour and a half down. Mm-hmm. So 13 hours back. Um, and then we worked for a day and a half. And then went up to Myrtle for the wedding, where Allie and I were bridesmaids. And that was an experience. Mm -hmm. We didn't trip. We didn't trip. We had fun. We had Mm -hmm. our hair and makeup professionally done, which I have never done. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, and we got our nails done, too. And this is your first time getting acrylics, right? Yep. What do you think? I'm still liking them. Yeah, I'm ready for mine to come off. They're a little bit grown out. Oh, that's not not too bad. Terribly. Uh, For those who can't see it, Allie's nails are mood mood changing. Uh, (laughs) They're temperature sensitive, so they look really cool. Mm -hmm. They are a dark gray when they're cooler and a off-white when they're warm. So they're usually (laughs) off-white. Yeah. Right now, (laughs) the tips are dark gray, and the bottom of the nail is that off-white. They look very cute. Thank you. Thank you. As they grow out, there's more dark gray at the top, and it's because it's just getting off of my finger. Mm-hmm. So, but I but can yeah. keep it even. 
Uh, and then after the wedding, we went to your place and we had New Year's and then we drove home and I slept. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. Nice. It was a good time. It was a great time. So I'm doing pretty good. Bro yeah. Brewing. I'm brewing pretty good. 2022. Off to a good start. I think we should start 2022 in February so we have a month off. Not worry about it. I think that sounds great. <laughs> so I have a quick fire question for you. Oh, yeah. What is your favorite French food or drink? Ooh. Um, probably escargot. Yeah. Because I don't get to eat it very often, but when I do, like, it's it feels special because I only get it, like, on cruise ships and stuff. Yeah, that's where I had it, too. Yeah. I had it, um, we went on a week-long cruise once, and I had it on, like, the second day, and then I got it every single night after that. I was oh like, more escargot, please. I tried it on a cruise, and I was like, these taste good. They taste like garlic butter, but I can't get over the fact that I'm eating a snail. So, um, like it. Don't want it. <laughs> I liked making hard eye contact with the family members that were uncomfortable and be like, yeah, I'm eating a snail. What about it? Mmm. Mm. <laughs> For those who haven't tried it, it's kind of just like eating a garlicky mushroom. Mm -hmm. But it's a little bit tougher than a mushroom. Yeah. Like, just it's like little. if your mushroom was actually pretty strong. If you had a tough mushroom, like <laughs> buff room, buff room, <laughs> I need to write that down. Oh, write that down. Write that down. Where am I writing it? I'm gonna write it up here. <laughs> buff mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh man. Anyways, I think my favorite is uh, all of my favorite French food is food is Cajun. Mm. Does so, that count? It's Cajun French. <laughs> um, I'll allow it. Well, I gotta say, when I was in France, I think some of the best food I ate was just some pretty average food. Like, it wasn't super special to me. Because hmm. I don't remember it, so it couldn't have been that great. <laughs> yeah. And I remember the, the food I ate in Italy because, whoo, A+. Plus. <sighs> yeah. Oh, yes. Very, very mm -hmm. good. Um, I don't know. We were in France for like three days, I think. Hmm. Maybe it was a week. I don't remember. Anyways, <laughs> I just remember being very hungry at the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I think my favorite French food is uh, baguettes. Because mm. they can be made into so many things, and you can just eat them as they are with butter. Mm -hmm. Like you saw with Joy. Yes. I have a quick story about baguettes. Okay. Because we used to get baguettes and like the Italian loaves and stuff at Walmart, mm -hmm. like weekly, and we'd take them home and make garlic bread with them. Ooh. And they would be fresh and warm. And so to keep us entertained while they were checking out, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of groceries, mom or dad would give us either a candy bar to mm -hmm. sit there in the cart and eat while they're doing their stuff. Or they'd give us, like, the ends of the loaf of bread. Oh. So when I'd get an end of a fresh piece of French bread, I would sit in the carton and eat it and pretend I was Aladdin. I love that. Oh, wait, I've done that before. <laughs> oh, you're just holding it. And you're like, yes, my one piece of bread. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it only really worked with the ends. Yeah. You have to have that. Mm -hmm. Sorry. That just, you just brought forth that memory. No, that is an amazing memory. I love that a lot. <laughs> anyway. Yes, Anyways, I'm ready now. Um, side story on that. 
When uh-huh. my dad was working at Monsanto, he used to bring us home donut holes, which is like munchkins. Mm-hmm. And he would get two boxes because one would be for him on the way home and the rest would be for the rest of the family. <laughs> That's perfect. So That's just what it made me think of when you're like handing the bread in and be like, all right, you, you do you. Do you. Uh-huh. Here's your here's your bread, Jimmy. <laughs> okay, so okay. are you ready to start our amazing episode with not coffee, but croissants? 20 minutes into recording? Absolutely. Perfect. So I think the first thing we should talk about for our French episode is the centerpiece for our episode. Croissant. Croissant. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... I have a few things to tell you that actually might be kind of disappointing. Oh, okay. I'm prepared. So, first, not invented in France. What? Why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I I had us do 16 hours of work for something that wasn't even French. (laughs) Okay, it's fine. Whatever. Oh, wait. Um, Did you want to mention, though, that we're doing croissants because it's also National Croissant Day? Oh my god, I forgot that's why I chose it. <laughs> I'm so glad you remembered that because I completely forgot. Yep. Happy National Croissant Day. <laughs> we didn't just uh, betray the coffee for no reason. Right, no, I did this on purpose. This was a good excuse to go to France mm-hmm. and do our international coffee uh, mm-hmm. episode. But it is, in fact, National Croissant Day. Croissant. <laughs> But would you like to guess where they were invented despite their major association popularity with France? Um, I tend to associate a lot of breads with, like, if they didn't come from Europe, then with the Middle East. Ooh. So that's going to be my guess. Okay, I like that guess. Not quite, but I really like it. Thank you, thank you. So these actually got their start in Austria and elsewhere in Eastern Europe. So not too far. Um, I said East. You did. You did. (laughs) It's the wrong East. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, East. I thought you said yeast. (laughs) (laughs) Aha. Not what you were expecting. Uh, Anyway. The small pastries that they're actually based from is called Kipferl. Um, which oh. have been made since the 13th century, according to most food historians. Hmm. Okay. So they old. Oh, yes. They, they are quite old. Nothing says 1200 like bread. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hmm. Uh, but there is some gap in the accuracy of the history uh, because not many historians know uh, much about croissants and that they resemble a lot of different breads but they think that it's kipferl that has the most resemblance and it tracks its history across europe okay so that's where we're kind of pulling these from is the migration of croissants (laughs) that classic migration i'm picturing like the little indiana jones red line going across europe yes so what historians do know is that kipferl was originally served plain or with nuts and had some resemblance to rouglosh, which is a staple in Yiddish cuisine. Huh. However, rouglosh was probably invented closer to the 17th century 
So they also may not have been the inspiration. Ah, okay. We're not sure. It may be. It may not be. Who's to say? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, rublosh means little twists. Aw. Which does further link the croissants in the way that the dough's twisted appearance uh, resembles it. Ah, okay. That makes sense. And I've pulled up a picture for you that we will post on our Instagram so that everyone else can see it oh. on what Kip Furl looks like. It looks like a long, skinny croissant. Yes. It, it looks like a horseshoe if it was made out of bread and almost a perfect circle. Yep. It looks like, it, uh, you know, all the cosplay horns that people wear? Yes. Actually, I think it's really funny that you said that. We'll get back to that. Okay. <laughs> So the main difference between these two p- pastries is that Kipferl is denser and sweeter. Hmm. Uh, today in Germany and Austria, they're flavored with vanilla. Ooh, that sounds good. One theory is that these pastries got their shape during an attack between the Ottoman Empire and Vienna, <laughs> which is the capital of Austria. Okay. Do you have more specifics than that? <laughs> yeah, this article is really good. It's from ParisUnlocked.com. And it's talking about the history of croissants. Mm-hmm. And it, it just describes all of these amazing facts that I found. Huh. Oh, I love it. Okay. So here's what they say about it. Okay. How did Kipforal get its crescent shape? All right. So legend has it that a group of Vienna bakers invented a prototype for the croissant in 1863 during the Ottoman siege on the Austrian capital. Ottoman troops... I keep thinking, like, Ottoman, like, you find in your living room. <laughs> like a footrest. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Ottoman troops who dug a tunnel to enter the walled city from underground were supposedly reported to authorities by one or more of the city's bakers, who typically worked in the cellars and thus heard the approaching attacks. Mm. So after the Ottomans were expelled, the way that they commensurated um, Adam Spiel, who was one of the heroic bakers that alerted the authorities, um, he and others concocted a crescent-shaped pastry called Hornchen, or Little Horns, hey. <laughs> uh, which were similar, very similar to Kipferl, mm-hmm. um, but they were shaped into crescent moons, which appeared on the flags of the Ottoman Empire in the 14th century. <laughs> that's That's so, like... We not only did we kick you out of our country, but we decided to take your national emblem and eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that energy. Um, however, many have put this theory into strong doubt, mm-hmm. uh, noting, for example, that the crescent moon-shaped breads and cakes, inc- including Kip Furl, have been mentioned in poems and other texts for centuries prior to Vienna attack. Yep. But I really like this theory because it's just like, hi, I'm a I'm a casual baker. And hey, you're not supposed to be here. I made this to commemorate your die. <laughs> I made this to I meant commemorate to say your death. die. I meant to say death, but we're going to go with it. I like that. Um, going on a t-shirt. Let's see. <laughs> um, but that's my favorite theory. And we're going to leave it at that. I, I approve of that theory. That is my new favorite. So, how did it get to France? (laughs) How did you get to France? 
How did you get to France? <laughs> so a couple of stories. Okay. It got up and walked away. Nope, that's not <laughs> one of the theories. Your croissant running? Better go catch it. <laughs> so we're going to start with my favorite theory, which is that Marie Antoinette, which is a native Austrian and the daughter of Empress Maria Theresa, that's a mouthful, <laughs> uh, introduced it to the court at Versailles in 1919. I said that when I was typing, too. <laughs> <laughs> to the court at Versailles in 1770 when she mooied. Love. When she married mm-hmm. King Louis the Sixteenth, <laughs> So she said... Ah, yes, my sweet husband. Look, this is my favorite bread. <laughs> Look, I brought you a croissant. I have a croissant. <laughs> <laughs> the most widely accepted theory, though, um, is that baked goods only became popular in France during the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and they attributed the arrival of Kipferl to a bakery opened in Paris in 1837 to 1839 by Austrian-born bakers August Zeng and Ernest Schwarzer. Oh. I love that name. Mm -hmm. Schwarzer. Schwarzer. I'm going to rename my one. His new name is Schwarzer. (laughs) So this was called Le Boulangerie Vinoise, or Zeng's. (laughs) Don't know why it's called Zeng's, but that's what the text said. Because nobody wanted to pronounce that. I mean, it's (laughs) not so hard. It rolls off the tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> uh, it offered a variety of Austrian baked goods, including kipferl. Mm. Zeng had said, "Oh, Zeng had a patent steam oven that yielded the characteristic sheen of the finished creations, uh, a quality that is still considered ideal uh, to this day on a good croissant." Nice. I want you to absorb that last little chaotic bit that I gave you. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. So, knowing this. These croissants aren't technically pastries. Okay. All right. When I say pastry, I mean specifically patisserie. Yes. Like French pastry. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So the French craze for viennoiseries, Mm -hmm. it literally translates to Vienna style baked goods. Oh, okay. Like a boulangerie is a bakery. So this is a viennoiserie, which is a Vienna bakery. Gotcha. This was making huge headway in France. Mm -hmm. And the term, of course, stuck. So any kind of pastry-like bread, um, like pan with chocolate or pan with raisins or croissants, Uh are, strictly speaking, not patisseries, but viennoiseries. So this is not a French pastry at all. It's it's Vienna. (laughs) (laughs) I like that this is the episode we're going to take the idea and then totally break down the idea. Yep. (laughs) I was talking to my mom in the car yesterday, and I was telling her about my research on this. I was like, why is it that every time I pick a a topic, I'm like, you know what? You know this thing that you actually know a lot about? No, it's all wrong, and we're just going to talk about that. Nah, try again. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's what I have on our croissants. Nice. That's more information than I was expecting to have on croissants today. I know. I just, I got a little overboard. There was so much history, and I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know there was a war. (laughs) So let's, uh, 
let's move on to the coffee part. Um, actually, do you want to real quick talk about what we did to make our croissant? Yeah. So uh, the recipe we used is kind of like an amalgamation of ingredients and information from our professional guests that we will have on shortly. Whoop, whoop. And some how-to videos and some recipes that Julia also found in her research. <laughs> and we came together to create our croissants. <laughs> which actually worked out. So. Oh, they, they, yeah, it worked out way better than I thought it would. And uh, my main drive for this was that I don't have a stand mixer. Yeah. <laughs> the, I wrote out our whole checklist after looking through all the different recipes. And what we came up with is, one, you have your five sticks of butter that you cut up into chunks. And that's going to be your butter that you're laying in later. But you cut it into little cubes and stick it back in the fridge to chill. Then you scald your milk. And let that cool a little bit. Then you mix your dry ingredients when you keep your yeast and salt separate so they don't kill each other. Then you add your wet ingredients being water, milk, and a little bit of butter. You mix that all up so that it's nice and smooth. And then you go into uh, this lovely process where you proof the dough for 30 minutes. And you roll out your butter with a little bit of flour so you can have this nice butter square. And then you roll out your dough. You put the butter over two-thirds of the dough. Then you fold the non-buttered part over, and then you fold the rest of the dough and the butter into the middle. So you have these mm -hmm. layers. And then you roll it a little bit, and then you refrigerate for 60 minutes. Take it out and fold it twice. Then you refrigerate <laughs> it for 60 minutes. Then you take it out and fold it twice. Then you refrigerate it for 60 minutes. And then you take it out and fold it twice, and then you refrigerate it overnight. And that's how we stayed up till that's midnight. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we were checking in with each other every 60 minutes. Yep. There was a nap. And uh, it accidentally turned into a nap, and I had a hard time going to bed. <laughs> and uh, there was an 11 o'clock dance party, and I didn't go to bed till 1.30. Perfect. Um, but then once it's done overnight, you get up, and you roll it out again, and you cut it into your triangles. Mm -hmm. And then you roll it up like a croissant. Croissant? Croissant. Then you proof it for... We did 60 minutes, but you can do it up to 90 just so it doubles in size. And they doubled in size. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so puffy. <laughs> and then uh, you do an egg wash on top with egg and water or milk. And then you bake it at 375 for 20 minutes. And you make sure your bottoms aren't burnt like mine. Yep. And you just try to make sure everything's cooked like mine. <laughs> it was big boy. I think next time I'm going to move the rack up a little bit because I think it was too close to the bottom and that's how the, the bottom's burnt. Maybe. But I did take a uh, zester to uh -huh. one of them to get the burnt off and it worked pretty well. Nice. Yeah. I also, oh, um, so I did have a stand mixer from the aforementioned professional. She let me borrow it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started with it, and then it wouldn't do what I needed it to, so I ended up mixing it by hand anyway. Oh, so there I you go. I don't have enough experience with the stand mixer. Perfect. And then I my dough, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I. It's a long process, but it's not that hard once you get into it. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of doing it. According to the professional textbook, um, the answer is you get all of your ingredients together, and then you make a croissant. Mm. And that's the extent of the instructions they had. Perfect. <laughs> that doesn't help me. It stressed me out. So, uh, so yeah. But anyway. Okay, I'm going to try my really bad one that's burnt first. And then I'm going to try the one that actually looks like a croissant. I'm just going to rip this open. 
Oh, it do be floppy. Uh, yeah. All right, this is a little swirly. Oh, it's kind of cute. Look at it. Ooh. Hold on, look. Mine is like a a cave. Hold on. A buttery, bready cave. Hold that on, looks beautiful. I love that. Okay. I'm going to take a picture for everybody else. You took bite it. Bite I'm just going to peel off the burnt pieces. Oh, God, my hands are so greasy. I know. <laughs> Oh my god, it's good. It tastes good. It's not even that chewy. This is reminiscent of a of a croissant, I would say. Holy cow. This is almost to mm. my mind, with all the all the preparation I was doing for it to be horrible, this tastes like perfect now. Mm-hmm. I would put a, a sandwich on I almost said a croissant. I would put a sandwich mm. on this. Mm-hmm. Oh wait. I would make a sandwich out of this. That's what I, I meant. Put my sandwich on top of this <laughs> croissant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. It was worth all the work. This is excellent. I will be doing this again. Okay, I'm gonna open my other one now. Okay. I think that I have higher expectations for this one. Oh my god, it's so pretty. Mm. I love it. All right, let's see how it tastes though. This yeah. is much better. Mm. Mm. This is so good. Mine is like from the standard croissant standard. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's a little doughy, but I like doughy, so. Mm. This is flaky and buttery and not overly sweet and mm -hmm. not overly buttery somehow. Mm -hmm. And I can see all the little pockets. Mm -hmm. Like, just look at this little piece. All the little pockets in it. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of us. We did it. We made croissants. For everybody that wasn't around, we stayed up till midnight doing this. Yep. <laughs> Checking every hour. For everyone that doesn't know me, I'm a 9 o'clock bedtime kind of gal. And I passed out on the couch at 8.30 the other night. Perfect. Mm -hmm. But not last night. Nope. This was for the love of pastries. I'm only a third of the way through my croissants. <laughs> I'm inhaling this because I didn't eat breakfast and it's almost one o'clock. I've had a bowl of cereal and an itty bitty piece of steak, like maybe three ounces of steak. <laughs> Wait, we didn't dink our coffee. Oh, I'm so sorry. I made espresso. I made decaf. Tea. Dink. Yo, this is good. Mmm. -hmm. Try there. This is editing Julia. We kind of forgot to record an intro for the interview, so, um... Doopy doopy doo, a fancy transition. Three, two, one. Betty. Avocado toast. I said butter. I said Betty. Don't you? <laughs> I said avocado toast. <laughs> so great. Toast. Uh huh. That's what I had for breakfast. Cause you know um. I know. I know what you're about to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, do it. Just do it. Get out of your system. So you know, Betty bought some butter, but the butter Betty bought was bitter. So Betty had to go back to the store to buy better butter to mix with the bitter butter to make the bitter butter better. But the better butter or the bitter butter made the better butter bitter. Maybe that's what happened to your croissant. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I said. <laughs> so we kind of introduced you already when we were recording yesterday, but we have an expert on with us today who is my very lovely stepmommy, April. Hi, April. Hi. Julia. 
who has been baking as long as I have known her, but is also now a qualified pastry chef after some lovely and very intense training that I got to have the remnants of. So every day you got leftovers from school. Every time we made something, I brought it home. So, Mm -hmm. yes, it was the most delicious experience of my life. It was the most delicious and stressful experience of my life. (laughs) I was very grateful to be living with you while you were in school. Oh, that's right. Because every now and then she'd bring home food and I'd be like, yes. <laughs> Come home, I'm like, hi, I have six new loaves of bread. Let's go. <laughs> loaves of bread and a European torted cake and some yummy mousse and whatever it was that we made for that particular week. Earl Grey chocolates that were excellent. Oh, those were so good. Yes, and the, the tiger chais. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a couple of questions for you. Before we get into the masterpiece that I have created, um, tell us about your experience in school and what like your favorite things were and what some stressful things were. I hated it all. (laughs) I'm just joking. Wow. (laughs) I know, right? No, it was awesome. The whole experience was awesome. I finally put to good use my side hustle. So I've always liked to bake stuff, um, make stuff. I think that when you bake, um, cook or bake, whatever, but especially baking for me, when you do those kind of things and you offer that to the people that you love and people in general that you're sharing a part of who you are with them and you're giving them a little bit of happiness in that moment, in that bite, then I think everybody deserves some sweetness in their life. So I was kind of pushed into a situation where I left the corporate world and um, ended up deciding to follow my passion. So I ended up going to pastry chef school, and it was probably the most amazing thing I've ever done other than marrying your dad and having you guys with me. What a suck-up. I know, right? Isn't that fabulous? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, it was awesome. There were very stressful times. You know, we we started school uh, pre-COVID and then ended up going to school halfway – through COVID, um, we ended up doing a lot of at-home stuff for the, uh, the second semester of school, I believe. And um, so it was a lot of uh, chef got us all the stuff that we needed and uh, scaled it off, you know, scaled off your recipe. Not the full recipes, but the amounts of pounds of bread dough we would need to do the things that we needed to do. And sent us all home with that and made sure we had... Uh, equipment if necessary if we didn't have it and uh, borrowed it from the school and um, and we did a lot of that from home it was a lot of extra videos and um, uh, daily and weekly journaling and pictures and things like that that we would have to send in to show what we did kind of like what you guys did with your croissants I gave you the stuff that you needed I put you on the right route with it Um, the difference was chef always had videos for us to watch um as as a tutoring thing for us I did not do that for you I just said okay here's your book do it and if you need anything let me know but um but yeah so that that was pretty stressful but my class that all graduated from that during that time showed some great tenacity the fact that we were able to adapt and do that kind of thing and you know whether you're full-on culinarian um or a pastry chef culinarian adaptability is something that you have to have along the way so now the difference is your pastry chef stuff it's chemistry it is here's what we did and here's what's going to happen when we put it in the oven and it either turns out or it doesn't turn out culinarian they have a whole other skill set and there's a lot to that don't get me wrong but if you're making something and you need to tweak the taste of it you can tweak it as you go this you can't do like that (laughs) so we did a lot of, of um 
uh, I, I won't say screw-ups, but not so good work <laughs> along the way. But Some yeah. masterpieces is what exactly. we'll call them. Monstrosities. Yes, I like that. <laughs> uh-huh. I no. think that's the best way to learn, honestly. You make some not-so-delicious mistakes, and then you're like, here, try it. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And then you tweak it, and then you figure out what you're going to do. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, so it was stressful, but but it, it was a really good experience, and I couldn't have asked really for a better time to go through it all than during that craziness that we went through so yeah and so um to bring us to the master monstrosity that i have made (laughs) and what julia has made too i have pictures of julia's for you to look at too yes i did a cross section uh i can go get some of mine uh they're a little burnt and i figured out why the bottoms burned it's because Mm -hmm. all the butter melted out of it and then the butter burned Ah, yeah, let me go go grab those. I want to see okay. those on video, and I'll I'll tell you if they're actually burnt or not. So I made two different batches where I had the dough cut different. So the first ones I made were about this big. They didn't curl okay. at all, and then the bottoms got pretty burnt. What did you have your temperature set at? Three seventy-five. Okay, and was it in the middle of the rack? Like, was the rack in the middle or towards the bottom? I forgot. It's probably towards the bottom. I did lower it at one point, and I probably didn't bring it back up. That is probably why the bottom got darker than the top. You need to, when you're not using them, like, in a convection oven where Mm -hmm. you have a constant airflow that heats equally all around, you're relying specifically on your heating element, which is towards the bottom of the oven. So, yes, it didn't really burn the butter per se um but it did the it was too close to the element and that's okay. probably why it did what it did so but honestly the bottom part that's just a little bit further than you wanted it to be but that's really close to what a croissant's supposed to look like okay. um unfortunately uh, we as americans like to bake our stuff almost anemic <laughs> we don't bake it long enough really? and because we think it's going to be burnt because we've been basically introduced to Wonder Bread our entire lives, which is white and fluffy and blonde. But croissants need to be that nice, dark, caramelized looking color. So mm-hmm. I would argue we've been introduced to, to Wonder Bread and to raw cookie dough. But there is some layer action, which I'm pretty proud of. Like I can see definitive swirls. So I did something right. Yes. <laughs> you, did. You, did. you guys did a good job. Allie did a pretty decent job too. And the, the, tweaking and the critiques that I have really has to do mainly with the bake time. And that's that whole thing. She pulled them to, well, for one thing, alleys are huge. Have you seen them? <laughs> you saw these? They're yes. huge. They are like huge. <laughs> that's my kind of croissant. <laughs> that's fabulous. But again, your bake time is going to be different then. Yeah. Okay. Do you see the bottom here, Julie, of this mm-hmm. one? That's the color the whole thing should be. Allie, beautiful. Love it. Yeah. Good job. Right. <laughs> not on the top it needs to be that color all the way it's not the first time i've been told i have a beautiful bottom so she needs that color on the bottom and like this color on the top no it needs to darker? be darker than that that's what no. i'm saying you see all that blonde on the side oh and like here's, right here uh-huh, here's where i'm going to explain it to you okay so you know the cross section you just showed mm-hmm. and how you can see the swirls what you call swirls forming formed yeah. in there but you notice how they're not really split and open yeah. Okay. So what you do, this is called laminated dough. And laminated dough is when you fold in butter in between layers and then you book fold your dough and book fold your dough again and you create all these layers of butter and dough, right? Mm-hmm. In order for you to get that 
puff that, when you cut into a croissant and it's got all those little holes in there and you can see those definitive layers, you have to let your butter vaporize. The water in the butter vaporizes out as it's baking. That causes it to split open. And then the lipids that are left basically fry the dough. That's why croissants are kind of, they're moist, but they're not doughy. Okay. What Allie kind of did here was a little bit more like a brioche bread almost. Mm. It's got a, um, a definition, a thickness, a density to it, whereas a croissant doesn't usually have that. Your cross section was almost there. Yours was baked a little longer than Allie's, I can tell, by the top coloring. Mm -hmm. But that probably could have gone had you had it in the right position in the oven. Yeah. <laughs> you probably could have gone another good 7 to 10 minutes on that. And that would have been perfect. When you cut that cross section, would have been that beautiful open layers on the inside, that lightness to it and everything else. So you were almost there. Okay. I baked mine a whole 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Here's the other one. You can see it's starting to pop open right there, right. but this was the bigger one. Right. So those areas, you can tell it had vaporized out. But if you notice above and below that, the area that almost looks kind of opaque, yeah, the dough, that's where you hadn't gotten it to the point where the water had vaporized out and the lipids had had a chance to fry it. Yep. I got to say, my butter was not cooperating at all. I also didn't have a stand mixer, so I kind of like beat the crap right. out of my butter. <laughs> right. I just kind of forced it into a block. Right. Um, when you did your fold in, did you have a silpat mat to to put your butter in and smooth it down real good? Or did you just smooth it into the dough? Yeah, onto I the just dough? smoothed it in. Um, I did okay. have a silpat. I forgot to use it. <laughs> yeah, room temp butter on a silpat, folded, folded in half, smoothed out so it's all like the same like mm -hmm. thickness. And then chill it for just a minute, take it out, put it in the middle of your dough and start your folds then. Okay. That's the best way to get it there. But like again, what you kind of did, uh, brioche is another laminated dough. It's kind of more like this than a croissant. So you just created a type of brioche. It was all, yeah. I'll take it. It's very tasty. I think it's tasty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's definitely got really good flavor to it. And you can taste the butter in it. So that's good. So you mentioned a book fold. Uh -huh. What exactly is a book fold? So when you have your dough ready to go, so you've already made it, you let it rest for however long that it says to rest. Sometimes it's like 12 hours. Um, you let it rest. You roll it out. So what you're doing is whatever size silpat you have, you're, you want to roll your dough out on the first, the first fold is how we did it. You want to roll your dough out so it's three times bigger than that silpat folded in half. Okay, and then what you do is you put your your butter off of your silpat into that, and you fold that over, and you seal those edges. You fold your dough over, and you seal those edges, and then you roll it out to twice that size again. I okay? did not so, seal my edges. <laughs> yes, that's why your butter oozed out. So you seal the edges, then you roll it out. Then you take that, and your first fold is a trifold. So you're going to fold your right. I always do right to left. You're going to fold your right to center and your left to center, and then you're going to fold that in half. Okay. Then you're going to put that in the fridge, and you're going to let that sit for just long enough to allow the dough to rest for just a minute because you've just rolled it out and created some heat from friction and stuff like that. But you don't want to leave it in the fridge so long that your butter then solidifies again and then cracks because that's called shattering. You can make croissants with shattered butter on the inside, but your butter is not consistent then. So you'll have gaps of just dough where there's no more butter touching. 
Then you're going to pull that out again, and you're going to roll that out to about the size of your half sheet pan again. And then you're going to do a book fold, which is, again, and then roll it out. And you do that probably a good uh, maybe three to four times, depending. What that does is that constantly creates these layers because you're folding it together, putting it in the fridge, letting it rest, bringing it back out, rolling it out again, folding those layers. Every time you do that, you fold more layers. Now, what we had at school that you guys didn't have was called a sheeter. Not a sheeter. <laughs> <laughs> Not like what Cousin Eddie had that was full. Oh, my gosh. Bakeries will use this for laminated doughs. They will use it for pizza doughs if they're doing stuff like that. Um, you can use it for fondant work and things, too. And it just it saves you a lot of time and effort from doing a lot of rolling out. Because once you get all your book folds done, when it comes time to roll it out right before you cut the triangles to roll the to actually roll up the croissants, if you have a sheeter, you put it through that and you can set that so that it makes it thinner and thinner and then you fold it and you roll it through again and thinner and you fold it and you roll it through again and then you get these little itty bitty ones. But again, you guys not having that and even though on alleys, like I said, I can I can't see those definitive where it wasn't baked long enough, but I can see where those layers are trying their best to be there. There's a lot of layers in this, so it's fabulous. You can see right here on the outside of it where those layers are trying their best to make it. So, um, But, yeah, it's all about layers. So, As Julie, as I watch Julia eat the croissant. <laughs> I mean, it's in front of me. What am I supposed to do? I have a question. Okay. So is a sheeter kind of like a pasta laminator where you run it through until you get the right th thickness and then it cuts it? It is, but it doesn't. It doesn't cut it. We're just rolling okay. dough through, and right, then right. we finish it off. Um, at the end, we cut it in strips, and then we cut our triangles and that kind of thing. So, yes, it's very similar to a pasta. How you'd run your your pasta dough through there until you got it to linguine or angel hair or whatever thickness that you wanted it sure. to be. Sure. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I brought uh, our checklist that we used. Since you mentioned putting it in the fridge for just a little bit and then bringing it back out. <laughs> Maybe we so. didn't need to stay up till midnight? Question mark? <laughs> what we did was um, we had all the ingredients together, right. which is normal. And then we did, uh, we proved for 30 minutes mm -hmm. and then added our butter square. Okay. Then we shaped the dough and folded the butter in again. And then we refrigerated it for an hour. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, too long? Usually you don't need to do that. Um, it, it's, it's not that long in between it. It's just, like I said, it's mainly you're taking where you rolled it out and you cause friction. Friction creates heat. Heat will then not allow you to work with the dough like you want it to be. You want it to be at a certain consistency that makes it easier to work with. Um, there's a specific temp. I don't remember it off the top of my head. It's in that book. Um, you can find it online too, if you were really interested in finding the exact temp, but, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's usually 15, 20 minutes-ish kind of in there and then roll it out again and then put it back in there and let it – what you're doing is you're letting that rest so that, that you can work with it better. But too long will cause your – when you go to roll it out, your butter is now solidified. You go to roll it, and you can almost see the cracks happening in it. It shatters. Hmm. It almost looks like you took a piece of glass and kind of popped it, and you can see where it separates when you're rolling it, and that's, that's when you know. Again, you can still make a croissant with shattered butter. It's just – it's a little harder to get it to turn out right. Mm -hmm. I'm laughing because we put it in for three hours. <laughs> in and out and in and out. So when I opened the book, I saw a very pretty diagram on how to fold. And then the book said, you get your croissant ingredients and then you make a croissant. <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. No, it no, it I, I don't think I can find the right instructions section. on waiting I'm, time or, or like... <laughs> 
please teach us to read? <laughs> so, let's see. Hey, look, I just happened to turn to the croissant page. It spent a lot of time open at that page the other night. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's so funny. Hey, look at there. Makeup can happen after the dough has had its final fold and has rested in the fridge for at least 30 minutes. That's your final one there. But up here, it's going to tell you uh, the type of... The type and number of folds have a large impact on the final product. For example, when making croissant, the first two folds can be done back to back, but at least 30 minutes should pass before the third fold can be completed. 30 minutes, it says at least, that's pretty much maximum. I know what happened. I was looking for a section that looked like a recipe from Pinterest. <laughs> Why are you not? For those of you listening, I gave them what we consider one of the bibles of baking it's called advanced bread and pastry a professional approach I that we use see that's the issue we are mediocre at best <laughs> I was that told her everything towards the end where'd it go it had like proofing temperatures or something you probably went to the wrong recipe yeah, this says examples of production scenarios using pre-ferments and or retarding. You did not use a poolish pre-ferment or anything along those lines. We did straight up yeast in here. So, yes, this, this would not be the right section to be in. <laughs> this section here <laughs> would be the correct section to be in. Oh, my gosh, I love you guys. But like Julia said earlier, this is how you learn. You do it. Knowing that you have different ways of doing things, um, and 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 you do things according to how you think they should be done. It made a lovely brioche. It made a lovely croissant had you just baked it just a little longer and not cut your triangles <laughs> as big as you did. Yes, Julia. Um, April, I have a question. Sure, honey. I need you to define a word because I feel like I'm not allowed to say it. Um. <laughs> Is it a bad word? I'm assuming it means like resting. She means retard. Okay. <laughs> I hate that word so much. Okay, but that's because you have associated that with something bad in life. Right. I okay. know it's it's not supposed to be that. The word retard is too slow. That's all the definition of retard is. It means just like um, if you work for years ago, I worked for Pizza Hut, and we would get our frozen dough out of the freezer and we put it in the proofer and you wanted to proof it just so long and then you'd have to put it in the retarder to slow the proofing process that's all that is so if you are affiliating that word specifically with just a negative thing then redefine it in your brain there is nothing wrong with saying that unless you are using it to hurt somebody's feelings no and no. then you suck not you <laughs> but whoever did it yeah it sucks so yeah so just know that I try very hard not to use that word out of context, and I'd rather have a proper definition so yep. I use it correctly. It just means to slow or a slowing process. That's okay. all that is. And you will hear that a lot when it comes to baking bread. Mm -hmm. And none of us use it for that reason when we're talking about it that way. So good question, though. Yeah, Thank that's you. Good. I think it's You're also welcome. used in music uh, to, yeah. like, slow down the tempo. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. You got it. Cool. Same word, new context. Exactly. Actually, original context. Oh, okay. Okay, so I am looking at the book here, and this has got some interesting pictures in it here, too, about rolling your dough out and putting it in and book folding. Oh. See all these cool pictures? Not only did I give you words, I gave you pictures. <laughs> There's a picture of a single fold. Right. That's when you first roll it in and seal the edges. That's what I used every time. Over here. 
see, this is your sill pad. This is how you spread it out. This is how you roll out your dough bigger than that. Mm -hmm. Then you would put that in the middle of that, fold it over and seal it. Mm -hmm. Then you start your book folds there. Uh. Yes. That's the one that you're going to put it in. Three layers of dough and two layers of fat is yep. what you start with. Then you have your single fold here, right? Mm -hmm. You just continue to do that because every time you do those folds, book fold, tri-fold, whatever it is you're doing, the cat is playing with the mouse. That is hilarious. That's funny. <laughs> it really is, Julia. You'd love this. He is freaking out with the mouse, but it's not the mouse mouse. He's gotten so big. I haven't seen him since he was a kitten. He's like 12 pounds now. Oh, my, oh my gosh. He just he just stole the mouse pad and ran across the room with it. He took it like you swipe a, a tablecloth out from under dishes. He what? snatched it right out from underneath the, the mouse. That is hilarious. Maybe his name shouldn't be Lucky. Maybe it should be Talented. I'll get that later. Oh, here he comes with it. That's amazing. But anyway, okay. Did um, did you guys egg wash your stuff too? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Because that's the only thing I didn't give you was the the eggs when I scaled it out for you. Um, so the other thing I noticed was Allie's croissants are huge, mm -hmm. huge, like the size of of a head of a head. Yeah, they're huge. So, um, that's definitely because the triangles were cut too big. Again, we have pictures in the book. And the pictures show you exactly how to cut your triangles and roughly what size, and then how you do the little split. So, so you're making a triangle, and then you're picking up the triangle from the pointy end, and you're just kind of holding it in your hand and allowing weight, gravity, to elongate that, okay? Okay. That's not how I did that. <laughs> then what you do is, at the bottom of your triangle, you do a little split, probably about half inch, three quarters of an inch. It's supposed to kind of look like the Eiffel Tower now, okay? Get it? Because France. Exactly. Get it? <laughs> then you take it from that bottom where you slid it, and you take two fingers is what Chef showed us, and you roll your croissant with the two fingers until it gets to the end where the little pointy end wraps across. And that's how you roll a croissant. Two fingers. Bloop, just like that. See, now this guy on here, he's using three, but I just use two when I do it. So either way. Is this because of, like, the pressure or the heat from your hands? Um, it's just, that's just how you roll it. So you get that nice rolled instead of a flat thing. Okay. When you're, because it's just easy. Once you get the technique down, it's like, Bree! I know, I love to make noises to go with my stuff since you can't see. Bree! Yeah. <laughs> that's basically how you, how you do it. But um, that's the reason why hers turned out so huge because, well, she cut them really big. It's about the size of a plate. <laughs> to be fair, they started about this size. Mm -hmm. They were just also almost an inch thick. Oh. So I rolled them after that, and that's how we got here. And there again, that comes because you don't have a sheeter to get you down to that that real thin thickness that you would want it to have. Yep. And I overworked my dough a little bit, so it kept coming back, and I just kind of gave up. <laughs> so you'd roll it out and then spring back uh -huh. to you. Yeah. Like I could only get the whole thing to about so, probably 12 by 12. So when that happens sit it back in the fridge that's that thing where really? where the heat the gluten strands everything is just too springy you want to retard that and slow that down and stick it back in the fridge and that way when you roll it out it holds its shape so when like you want it loose enough so when you hold it by that tip and you and you let gravity do its thing that it elongates but you don't want it so doughy like 
like pizza dough would be, where you can toss it up and stretch it out. You don't want it where it's doing weirdness like that. Not a <laughs> croissant. Throwing dough around. What are you doing? Making croissants. Making croissants. <laughs> Obviously. But yeah, I mean, other than that, and and I could tell the cuts. So so the biggest thing for Allie's at least, and I think for yours too, Julia, is just um, had you had a sheeter and got it to get it thinner, that would have helped. Um, baking it long enough longer than you did by like I said anywhere from seven to ten more minutes probably would have done it yours maybe Julia maybe five since it was set too low on mm -hmm. the rack um but Allie's definitely could have gone another another good ten minutes on yours to get that yeah. puff in there the vaporization of the the water so cool yep but it ain't too bad no they are quite tasty like I said they that was a good job a good job for again for you guys who have never done this before <laughs> We're following directions, but not following directions. <laughs> Story of my life. And and did not and did not have you know the luxury that we did of having Chef Jeff Blunt on video uh, when we were doing things from home, and he basically showed us step by step. Wait, Chef Jeff? Yes, yeah, Chef Jeff. I love that, Chef Jeff. <laughs> um, his last name is Blunt, B L O U N T, and we are always called Blunt Force. That's what his, his graduating classes are, blunt force. So, yep. I do also have a, a picture for you because uh, I had three good looking croissants. And then I had. These are the good ones? I had Galbert. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. What is that? He is all the pieces I cut off to make it a rectangle to cut it. And I said, well, I don't want to waste them. So we're just going to see what that does. Yeah. And, and that's good. That's what we would do with extras too. Or, or we would roll them. Here, let me show you more pictures in this book, Allie, that you did not pay attention to. You can do twisties like this too. Twists are always also fun. Wait till you see Julia's, because Julia's is her galbert is much prettier. I turned mine into a little braid. Very good. That looks like a uh, holla bread. Oh, okay. Holla. Holla. <laughs> and that's what we did every time in class that we made holla this bread. This one also holla. burned. Yep, you're too low. <laughs> too low. Shouty got too low. Shouty got too low. <laughs> get low, get low. Yes. Awesome. So I think that's all the questions I had. Do you have any other advice for croissants? Um, no. Like I said, you guys did a really good job considering um, the disadvantage that you had, um, which was never doing it before and, and not even doing the, the precursor that we would normally lead up to laminated doughs. The first thing that they teach you how to do in pastry chef school is basic dough and how, what yeast does and how to let those things. And y'all just jumped right in both feet trying something that's really difficult for people to do. I mean, there are professionals that have been doing this for – years and years and years that still will do it exactly like they think that they're doing it and they will not turn out the right way. So you did a really good job. Thank you. Um, before we let you go, uh -huh. would you like to give a shout out to a business that we have mentioned multiple times on the podcast, but you are the owner and baker of Sugar Moss in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I so am. Yay, Sugar Moss Cakes and Confections, LLC. <laughs> Yeah, so like I said at the beginning of this, uh, what started off as a side hustle years ago uh, became my passion and then um, turned into my business. And uh, yeah, so we are, again, going in both feet, um, pushing forward with it. We do pretty much anything people need us to do, but um, our specialty right now is um, decorated cakes and desserts like that. Things for the holidays were ridiculously busy with all kinds of stuff, but we do... Um, a lot of decorated cakes we like to do the artistic part of things and um and just 
you know, if you have something a little outside of the box or something real specific that you want that is not, um, you know, cookie cutter type decoration and things, that's that's what we specialize in. So um, cookies, cake pops, cupcakes, all that fun stuff like that. So if you want to check out what we do, you can go to our Facebook page, Sugar Moss Cakes and Confections, and you can see a whole bunch of different things that we've done already. And, um, and yeah, just give us contact, contact us, text me, whatever, all the information's out there, and we will discuss what your needs are. So like I said, everybody deserves a little sweetness in life, so that's what we try to do. Can confirm it's very tasty. Can confirm it's very pretty. Thank you. Definitely check out that Facebook page. You do a great job. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so, so much for coming to teach us about how to make croissants. You are welcome. Thank you for all the great <laughs> advice. I have half a thing of dough in the fridge that I might give a try again. Oh, that's one last thing I will tell you. I told Allie this, too. She had leftover dough. If you take that out and let it thaw and work it and then cut it in those triangles, go ahead and roll it up and then freeze those rolled up. Then when you want croissants, you just take them out, let them puff up a little bit, and then bake them. That's life-changing, honestly. <laughs> You can do that with a lot of different things. You can do that with cookie dough, guys. If you ever have a batch of cookie dough, cut your, scoop your pucks out of there and freeze them. And when you need them, it's already done. So, yep. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Well, everybody else is going to jump right back into the episode, but we're going to go just chill. Yeah. So. Cool. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. And. So are we ready to get into the coffee portion? Yeah. All right. So I figured we would uh, start with what is French coffee? That's a good place to start. <laughs> and um, I guess we should start with what the French actually consider coffee. Yeah. Uh, so if you were to order a coffee in France, how would you order it? Um. I'd probably order an Americano because I'm American. <laughs> okay, but like, what would you expect if you ordered just like a coffee? I'd say, can I please have coffee with cream and sugar? And then they would laugh at you. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> okay, maybe they wouldn't laugh, but they would judge you a little bit. Okay. That's fine. So, um, I wouldn't know how to order my coffee. Because uh -huh. I like flavored coffees, and that isn't really a thing. Oh. Yeah. Um, so if you were to go to France, like right now, and order a coffee, even if you ordered a cafe au lait, you would get an espresso with milk. Ah, okay. Yeah. So they they are very big into espresso, which is why I was drinking an espresso. Hey, that was probably the closest I could get to French coffee today. Yeah. <clears throat> so if they don't have flavor, then French vanilla is not very French. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Lovely. So I wanted to go over some of the more popular coffees from France. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll start with a cafe. Which, as I described, is an espresso. <laughs> yep. Um, so when I was taking French in high school, I was taught that a coffee is un café. And right. it never dawned on me that it could be anything else. I well, was like, ah, oh, yes, this is a coffee. That's how they taught it in my class, too. Like, this just is a coffee. Right. Like, coffee. 
No, they typically order espresso. Uh, this is exactly what you would uh, imagine. It's just a little cup of strongly brewed espresso and nothing more. All right. And cafe culture is huge in France. Like, it's not unusual for someone to order an espresso and sit outside. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Allie is doing the it's not unusual <laughs> dance. Love that. Anyway. Da -da -da -da. <laughs> I believe the dance is called the Carlton. Oh, yeah, you're right. Anyway, okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> so it wouldn't be very unusual for someone to order an espresso and sit outside and people watch. Oh, okay. Like, alone time or just sitting with someone and people watching is very, very common. Like, sometimes for hours. I don't know if I could do that. Even more so, the wait staff won't bother you unless you ask for it. Because mm. they're professionals. They literally go to school for this. Right. Unlike huh. our American uh, um, servers, where you can like be a server while you're in high school, you get trained on how to be a server. You know your wine pairings. You know literally everything about what you're serving. Right. They're professionals. It's part of why they get an actual salary while we get tips. Mm -hmm. So be a server in France. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> enough on cafe culture. How about cafe creme? Ooh, cafe creme. So this is basically a cappuccino, but they're not going to call it that. Of course not. No, no. <laughs> so this is going to be made of espresso, of course, with mm -hmm. a little bit of foam. Okay. And I'm guessing it would be a lot less foam than you would find in our cappuccinos, where Probably. you're getting like 50-50 comb to, comb to coffee. Comb, comb to coffee. Mm, comb to coffee. Mm. Foam to coffee. And then we have a Café Américain, which is what you were talking about, uh -huh. kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> uh, this is as close as you're going to get to an American black coffee. Uh, but in my experience, it is a lot weaker. It tastes uh, really gross. Ew, lovely. I remember really wanting coffee while I was in Europe and not being able to find it anywhere. Mm -hmm. they, they are espresso only. Do they have Starbucks in France? Yes, they do. Do they only serve French uh, drinks? No, I'm sure they serve American drinks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they serve lattes and stuff like that, but maybe they're not as popular as your small shops. Mm. True. It depends. And you have a lot of tourists. Yeah. Tourists are nuts for Starbucks. I mean, I'm nuts for Starbucks. It's mm -hmm. comfort food. <laughs> Um, but anyways, to make a Cafe American, you make uh, two, one or two shots of espresso and add hot walker. Hot walker? Hot walker. Hot walker. You add I'm hot walker. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's called a New Yorker. Ah, New Yorker. Cafe New Yorker. <laughs> you grab your espresso and you're like, I'm walking here. We. Oui. <laughs> we. <Oui. laughs> Um, so it's just never heard. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> we. <laughs> so it's essentially just a weak espresso. Okay. So now we move on to noisette. Uh -huh. Um, this one confused me. <laughs> so noisette translates to hazelnut in English, ah. but it is not referring to the flavor. It actually describes the light brown espresso itself, so it's describing the color. Okay. 
Yeah, so the espresso turns out to be more of a hazelnut color, which is kind of how mine ended up. Mine wasn't really dark and concentrated. Um, uh-huh. It was much lighter and uh, floofy. Floofy. So I guess it would be a little weird to make it and then call it like, this is my cup of light brown. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, to make it, you just add a small amount of steamed milk to espresso. It's kind of like a macchiato. Ah, okay. <laughs> Flashback. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, and then we have Cafe Sere. Uh, warning, extreme coffee. Oh, no. I'm not ready. <laughs> so this one is really strong. I want you to imagine a shot of espresso, mm-hmm. half the water. Oh. Boom. Cafe Sere. <laughs> Why? It's a, very ex- it's a very bitter drink, and only true coffee lovers will enjoy it. Apparently. I am not a true coffee lover. I am not either. I am very fond of creamer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoy the concept. Maybe not. <laughs> But yes, this is a very, very strong shot of espresso. Hmm. Um, also, sere means tight, close, compact, stringent, probing, or tightly bound, uh, per Google Translate. And <laughs> <laughs> the name Google? probably refers to how concentrated it is. Ah, okay. Fun fact, would you like to know what it translates to directly in English? And it's not any of those other words? Nope. Um, I'm going to say, I, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to say strong. <laughs> this means greenhouse. Why? <laughs> I have Why? no idea. <laughs> Her Google Translate, Sarah, okay. with the accent and everything. Translates okay. to greenhouse in English. That was my next question: Is did you include the accent? Yeah, I'll go ahead and retranslate just in case. Hold okay. on, I currently have it pulled up. Also, okay, I did up. look up the word patisserie, and it means pastries. Okay. Just in case you're curious. Yep, with the accent, greenhouse. All right. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. <laughs> I wonder if it's because, like, you're closer to the essence of the plant, maybe? Like, it's it's more concentrated plant juice. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, greenhouse. That's gotta be it. <laughs> yeah, everybody, when you think of greenhouse, you think concentrated plant juice. I think I there do. has to be con- uh, context to this word. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways... Our anyway. next one is Café Viennois. We oh. recognize this word. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, related to Vienna, theoretically. We'll get back to that. Um, <laughs> okay. This will please all of our sweet coffee drinkers out there. <coughs> Mike? Okay, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, this one is made with espresso, whipped cream, and cocoa powder. Hey, I know this sounds delicious. Uh huh. Well, Wish it I had known about it. Your favorite drink is a mocha. Oh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, Viennois translates to Viennese, 
I wasn't sure what that meant, so I looked it up, and I am still confused. Okay, my first thought is Vienna, but go on. That is one of them. Okay. So, oh. Viennese may refer to Vienna, the capital of Austria. Viennese people, people from Vienna. Viennese German, the German dialect spoken in Vienna. Music of Vienna, uh, music styles in the city. Viennese waltz, a genre of ballroom dance. Viennese coffee, the uh, the eating establishment and part of Viennese culture. Viennese oh. cuisine. Viennese actionism, a 20th century art movement. Viennese <laughs> opera ball in New York, annual event that is running since 1956. Okay. Viennese oboe, a musical instrument. Uh-huh. <laughs> or Viennese illuminated chronicle, also known as... Chronicon Pictum, a 14th century illuminated medieval document. All right. I think it's the oboe. (laughs) (laughs) Personally. Obviously. So long story short, I have no idea what it actually is referring to. We're going to go with the people of Austria because maybe their things are sweeter. Hmm. Like Viennese cuisine. And they brought over, like, all the breads and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, considering their uh, kipferl was a denser, sweeter bread, I'm going to go with that. I'm sticking by the oboe, but you do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so next, we have Cafe Deca. Uh-huh. Um, this one is for you, Allie. Deca oh. means decaf in French. Hey, it is a decaf espresso. That's exciting. Yeah, I might have to try to see if I can find any of that <laughs> for future episodes where we need espresso for stuff. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and then we have Cafe Gourmand. Uh, so imagine you want coffee, right? Mm-hmm. But like, you're also hungry. Okay. <laughs> Let me introduce you to Café Gourmand. It's a regular espresso, but it's Uh served with a tray of pastries. Oh! (laughs) It's like a tea tea party, coffee version of a tea party. Yeah. Tea version Um, party is what I said. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) And these little pastries are called petit fours. Oh, oh, I have heard of that. Yes. Yes. So... The French don't usually have milk and sugar with their espresso. Ah. However, an espresso can have sugar served on the side. Uh, You'll typically find it in sugar cube version or in loose. Um, And some people recommended dipping their sugar cube in the espresso and then eating the sugar cube. That's going to make the espresso taste so bitter when you drink it after eating a sugar cube, though. That is exactly what I thought. <laughs> I guess it's going to ruin the experience. <laughs> but if you want a cafe au lait, you typically drink it at home, which is going to be coffee with milk or espresso with milk. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. So, what about the food? What about the food? Okay, so there are all kinds of yummy French pastries that you can get at coffee shops. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them are your typical breakfast pastries, like croissant, which isn't French. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which we had Mm -hmm. um, baguette or tartine, which means toast. 
Or if you're looking for something sweeter, you can try petite fours or eclairs. I, I have a proposal. Okay. I would argue a croissant is French, but the or- it did not originate in France. But the French version of the Austrian uh, bread is croissant. I'll allow it. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your allowance. I accept that. <laughs> I allow it. That's about all I had without going down my rabbit hole. Would you like to join me down the rabbit Absolutely. hole? Absolutely. Is a French press French? Ooh, actually, I used a French press to make my decaf coffee, so. I know. I uh, I told you to because it would be funny. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. So, it's actually not, but only kind of. <laughs> okay. So let's back up a little okay. bit. Not too far. We're almost uh-huh. done. So the first patent for the French press showed up around 1852 by Frenchman Mayer and Delforge. Mm. Um, however, the French press that we know today is actually designed by Italians, Attilio Cama- Calamani and Gio <laughs> Moneta. <laughs> Wouldn't it, I'm so sorry. Is it Gio in that sense? Maybe. I honestly don't speak Italian. Right. And that wasn't even the most popular design. Ah. The most popular design came out around 1958 by Swiss man Valero Bondeni. Bon- Bondenini. Bondenini. <laughs> like a panini. Yes. <laughs> The brewer manufactured uh, in France, but it was called Chambord. Ah. It also went by the name Cafetieri. Cafetier? Something. That accent makes it an A, Mm -hmm. like an A sound, like A. So it'd be Cafetier. Cafetier? Like a tiara? Uh, Maybe. Tiara? That's my tiara. I'm a princess. (laughs) Long story short, after it went through some legal disputes, it's both French and Italian. Ah, I think we should call it the European press. <laughs> and that's just close enough. And as a little bit of bonus content, I also looked up French roast. Uh-huh. Um, it does not refer to France at all. Perfect. It is only referring to a level of roasty. I don't actually know why it's called French roast. Huh. I forgot to do more research on it, but that's what I remember reading. All right, then. So the gist of this I'm getting is that France likes to put its name on things that it doesn't actually own or make. Hmm. Hmm. That sounds right. Hmm. <laughs> huh. well, that's a lot of information about so, France. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I have. I like it. So what did you think of everything? I I am, one, still very impressed that our croissants came out so well. Agreed. And two, a little disappointed in France for taking credit for so much stuff they didn't really do on their own. I mean, did we? No, but, like, <laughs> that's part of our vibe, you know? Good point. We're like, oh, hey. yeah, we're going to call it American, but only because it's going to take three hours to explain everything that led up to it, so... That's a good point. We are, in fact, a melting pot. Yeah, you just come with the expectation that, like, it's not really, but it is now. Because whatever it was originally, we took and added butter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Paula Dean. Mm-hmm. 
So that's all I have for you, but I do have a quiz. Ooh, I love me a quiz. Spend a day in France, and we'll give you a decadent chocolate dessert. Ooh, yes, please. <laughs> so, what are you doing first? Are you relaxing in the hotel, shopping, grabbing food, or going on a picnic? Grabbing food, always. Mm, I agree. We just traveled a lot, and I'm hungry. Yes. Pick a second activity to do. Visit the Eiffel Tower. Visit Le Louvre. Mm -hmm. uh, take a Seine River cruise. Or stroll through some old towns. Ooh. I'm torn between the Louvre and the old towns. Mm -hmm. mm. Probably the Louvre, so we can go ahead and like just get that one out of the way of like, yes, I went there. It's massive. You you honestly have to dedicate a day to it. Mm -hmm. That's what the food is for, to give me energy to get through it. Mm -hmm. Pick something to do next. All right. <laughs> Eat some French dessert in the hotel lobby. Oddly specific. All right. Watch a live show in Paris. Okay. Uh, visit St. Michael. Uh-huh. I think that's a cathedral. I'll Google it. Or visit the Palace of Versailles. Mm. Um, I am probably going to go watch a live show so we can just sit and chill after walking through the museum. Nice. Okay. Pick another thing to do. Okay. <laughs> Draw the Eiffel Tower while listening to jazz. Mm. All right. Go to a beach. Spend a night in a French chateau or climb up the Eiffel Tower. Uh, I'm going to go climb up the Eiffel Tower because surely it's pretty I close to like sunset or nighttime by now. So. Oh, which means it'd be twinkling. Uh-huh. Which my parents didn't know when we went. And when I said, I'm hungry, I might throw up. They're like, all right, let's go. Oh, hang on a second. And I forgot to tell them. I need you to go look at what Mont St. Michael looks like. I have a picture of Mont St. Michael in this. Oh, do you? Yeah. I didn't know it was surrounded by water and super cool. Oh, yeah. I thought it was just the church. <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't describe it very well. Some of us do not have uh, the resources to have gone to Europe yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't go there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's sunset. Pick your last activity before it gets dark. Um... Watch the sunset while drinking wine. Mm -hmm. Watch a musical in Parisian cabaret. Oh, cabaret. <laughs> um, take a photo in front of the Arc de Triomphe or visit Disneyland. Oh, I don't have the energy for Disneyland after a day like that. So I'm going to go with just drinking wine and watching the sunset. Pick a French dessert to eat. All right. Macaron. Creme brulee. Mm, burnt cream. Lemon tart. Or eclair. Um, it is, it is and always will be an eclair. Okay. This one looks really fancy. Mm -hmm. Lastly, what memorable thing are you going to do to keep? Wait. What memorable thing are you going to keep? Oh. Ah. <laughs> Tickets, a souvenir, photos, or drawings? Probably a souvenir. I, I did. Ideally, I have a tiny Eiffel Tower. a mug of some sort. Ooh. Or something like that. 
there is nothing better than a fluffy chocolate cake with a glass of milk. Mm, true. You just got chocolate cake. Yeah, <laughs> I love chocolate cake, though. There is nothing better than a fluffy chocolate cake and a glass of milk. Honestly, facts. That's what Pop made me every day when I got home from middle school and high school. Right. For seven yeah. years, he had a piece of chocolate cake and a glass of milk for me when I got home. That is so sweet. Mm-hmm. I gained so ha, much weight. Literally. Ha! <laughs> Understandably. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm-hmm. But that's all I have. Yeah. Well, wait. What do you, what dessert do you get? Oh, you're right. You're right. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Let's see. What am I doing first thing in? Am I going to Paris or France? I can't remember. France. France. Okay. I don't get nice to get France. 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 I'm also going to grab some food because, dang, I'm hungry. Food is priority. Pick a second activity. I am going to, um, let's go ahead and scroll scroll through some old towns. We're just going to walk around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Next, I am going to visit the Palace of Versailles because I did not get to do that. Ooh. Then I'm going to... I'm going to climb the Eiffel Tower because I also didn't get to do that. I hope you know, I'm not picturing, like, taking the stairs. I'm picturing, like, climbing the outside of the Eiffel Tower. Excellent. Yeah, that's exactly what that means. I've never heard them say climb the Eiffel Tower. Like, go to the (laughs) Eiffel Tower. Go to the top of the Eiffel Tower, not climb it. It means the stairs. There's a lot of them. Forbidden Jungle Gym. Um, I'm going to visit Disneyland because I've never been to Disneyland, Mm -hmm. any of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to choose macarons because I'm obsessed with them. <laughs> and lastly, I'm going to keep my Disneyland tickets. All right. I am yeah. going to be eating chocolate cake. Yeah, chocolate cake for the we win. We get to share it. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Plot twist. All of the answers are chocolate cake. <laughs> you only get chocolate cake. There is nothing better than fluffy co- chocolate cake. It's true. All right, that's it. <laughs> awesome. So, what's next? Um, so, next time, our next episode is coming out on February the 13th. So, we are going to have a Valentine's Day episode. Aw, I love that. Aha! Aha! <laughs> I'm sorry. So, we're going to go record that now, and I'm very excited to see how this goes. Yeah! Um, as always, I would like to thank all of you for joining me in this very chaotic episode it was a lot of info dumping and i was just very excited to talk about it because france is my people more or less two times removed (laughs) kicked out of one then kicked out of the other it's fine no it's totally cool it's really great but i love france i love french things i love french the language (laughs) (laughs) so it was really fun for me to research this Mm -hmm. Um, I also apologize for any audio recording issues. Um, I am trying a new laptop for the first time, and we learned that the battery dies really quickly because I can't have multiple things plugged in at the same time because it's uh, not fun, Mac. Yay, Apple. (laughs) Yay, Apple. Anyway, Uh um, all of my research uh, notes will be in the episode description uh, along with the quizzes and recipe. Mm Mm-hmm. You can also find our podcast at webrewgood.podbean.com. That's webrewgood.podbean.com or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. 
You can also find us on the social medias at Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at WeBrewGood. Or you can always send us an email at WeBrewGood at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and um, don't forget to mm-hmm. wish your guinea pig a very happy new year. Maybe get them yes. a tiny beret and make a tiny oh. croissant and oh. uh, take their picture. Can guinea pigs have bread? I don't know. But you, I mean, you can Use put your it, best judgment. Yeah, you can put it in front of them for the photo shoot and then give them, like, their own treat later. I think that'd be very cute. Hold on, wait, I have to look up something real quick. Is it a picture of a, a guinea pig in French attire? No, even better. Okay. Cochon Dundee. Crocodile Dundee? What? No! <laughs> Co- Cochon means pig. And then of Indy. I-N-D-E. Indy. Hold on, I'm going to make it say it. Donde. I'm sorry. Cochon Donde. Oh, Cochon Donde. That is French for guinea pig. <laughs> is that going to be the new <laughs> coffee around the world thing? Is at the end we look up how to say guinea pig in different languages? Yes! Yes, it is! <laughs> Fantastic. And as always, <laughs> Reste Puva! <laughs> that is Stay Brutal in French. Is that actually how you say that? Like it's a, yes! Oh boy. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you.